Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways. That's why we love this stuff so much. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways, which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be talking about reframing patient engagement. Today's episode is sponsored by Solution Reach. Learn more about their patient relationship management solutions at solutionreach.com. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 13 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. Wow, it's the 10 episodes. Uh, seems like we just started this, but... Uh, Ten's quite a lot. <laughs> no, it's been fun. Uh, it doesn't seem like ten. So, no, I mean, I think we're just getting started on topics. So, we, you know, we're going to be able to do a couple hundred, I'm sure. <laughs> That's right. We got by by the time we hit a hundred and ten, we'll be looking back. And remember, we were talking about the tenth episode, and we thought that was an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Today's topic, John, is going to be pretty interesting. We've got four things to talk about. Um, and this all stemmed from a discussion that I was having with uh, both uh, Jerry Lim Baumblatt and, uh, Shahid, uh, and Shahid Shah, just around the whole patient engagement uh, buzzword and whether or not we, we need to really reframe it into something that maybe is more akin to patient support. So that's the first topic we're going to talk about is patient support versus patient engagement. Then we're going to talk about what's working and uh, what's what isn't working. Sorry, in in terms of patient engagement, uh, where are some exciting things happening? And then finally, we're going to close off by saying, what can we do from a practical standpoint to actually move patient engagement or patient support, whatever you like? Uh, how do we move that forward? How do we actually move the needle? So those are I'm the four topics. For it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, this is a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart, so I'm excited to to talk about it. I mean, I think we both like this topic, so it'll be a good yeah, one. Yeah, no, it's lots of different things, a lot of nuances, so, uh, and hopefully you and I will get into a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a, a discussion around it. So let's let's dive right in, John. So patient experience, sorry, patient engagement and patient support. So again, the reason why this came up was we were having discussion around the whole, you know, the fact that patient engagement was sprinkled everywhere on a lot of marketing materials and with a lot of vendors. And, you know, first of all, it's a nebulous term. So it means different things to different people. It means different things to different vendors. And at the end of it, you know, is it really that patient engagement we need or do we actually just need better support for patients? And so, you know, that's really the difference I see. And it got me really thinking about, well, engagement to me means, you know, behaviors where the patient uh, whoever that is, the, the, whether it's a child or whether it's an adult, actually actively participating in their care, right? But patient support is a little bit different. And, you know, Jerry Lynn and uh, Shahid were kind of saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we just need, maybe we should, instead of shooting for the moon and for engagement, we should really just be focusing on supporting them better, giving them the tools, the, giving them the process, giving them the, the uh, education that they need to actually maintain or improve their health. So a lot more mundane and we need to focus there first. And so, you know, we got into that debate and I think um, uh, for those that are watching, we do something on the screen, but I'm just gonna describe it as the patient activation model where you basically have different levels that the patient can go through. Where on the low end, the patient's not interested in getting involved at all. And on the high end at stage four or level four, the, the individual has adopted these new behaviors and are maintaining uh, the behaviors despite uh, the stress or the health crisis. So they're totally engaged in their health. 
And I think, I think what's happened is a lot of people are focusing on this model going, okay, I need to get my patients like totally involved in their care. And I think the reality is some patients don't, they just need the basics and we haven't got that right. So I'm in favor of this reframe to go, hey, you know what, maybe we should just stop talking about engagement so much and really just focus on, well, how can we support patients better? Once we do that, then I think you can do get to the engagement side. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of burnt out on the patient engagement term with everyone using it everywhere and never really engaging patients, or at least patients aren't actually engaged. And I, I think that's the problem You know, I see is it's not so much for me whether we have patient support or patient engagement. I actually think we need more support from patients. And I'm not blaming the patients for not being supportive, although there's plenty of patients that probably deserve that blame because they just don't care. I, I'm one of them, right? <laughs> like, you know, I'm not a very, I'm a good patient when I am a patient, but if I'm healthy, I, I, I don't treat my body very well. So, you know, it's kind of a different wellness aspect, right? But I think the reason that most patients aren't engaged in their care or aren't supporting the care is because we haven't given them the tools that they need to be supportive, which I think is basically your point that we need to provide the tools to patients so that they can be part of their care, so that they can support their care. And it's actually a change in mindset for many doctors. Uh, I was having this discussion with a doctor recently and we, we talked about just you know, does the doctor really want the patient engaged or do they not? And, you know, there's, it's fair to say that there's a fair number of doctors that don't. They want to be the authoritarian figure that tells them what to do and they want the patient just to do it. And, and you know, that, that was the culture for years. And now that's changed and it's changed to a different mindset where, uh, you know, we see many doctors moving to more of a collaborative uh, effort and that they realize that there's a lot of data out there and the doctor can only process so much of that data and the patient actually may have more data than them. I mean, that's a, that's a scary do thing for many doctors to admit, especially when they've just gone through 10 years of schooling to try to become a doctor. But in their slice, they might have more, even though the doctor may have a broader view. Yeah, and I, I see things a little bit differently, John, than what you just said around engagement. Because I think what's happened is with everyone touting it, talking about it, I think what they see in their head is someone who has a chronic condition, who's proactively engaged in maintaining that condition, and who's super well-read and well-understood of all the latest uh, you know, pro uh, clinical research and all the latest treatments, and you know, it's coming into that doctor's appointment going, hey, doc, I want this. But that to me is the extreme end of, of engagement. And, and there are some patients like that, and God bless them, right? Like, because they. No, they I are, actually think it's wrong if they go in and say, you need to do this too, right? right? <laughs> but I think that's the fear that, that everyone has, uh, you know, of that's what's meant by a pa an engaged patient. Whereas I think there's very much different degrees of engagement. Someone like yourself, right? And myself, who for the most part are relatively healthy our engagement level is gonna be relatively low. Like we only engage when we're sick or when something's wrong or something's broken, right? Um, and for that, do we really need all these other tools? The answer is, well, maybe not. But when we do engage or when we do have to partake in the healthcare system, we want the tools in place to maintain and, uh, or sorry, to engage in the level that we want. And so that's why I like the term, I'm starting to get uh, more positive on the term patient support because to me, that's a lot more defined in terms of, oh, okay, I'm looking at technologies that will help support the patient or allow them to support themselves. 
And you bring up an interesting point, though, right? Uh, if I'm a chronic patient, then I do want ongoing engagement, at least once I get past the denial phase, right? There's a certain amount of denial when you get a chronic condition, but then once you're past that, you know, you become engaged and you need ongoing engagement. But it's almost like the tools of engagement need to be there and ready for, you know, the other 80% of us <laughs> that feel healthy, whether we are or not, uh, that, you know, because when I go into the doctor and I have to because there's a break or there's an illness or whatever, then I need that engagement, but then I want it to stop, which is, you know, that, that doesn't happen in many industries. So I think that's a pretty interesting difference between the two. Yeah, no, and I think that's that's where I think things have fallen down, which is a great segue into our next topic. So what isn't working in terms of engagement? And so for me, I'll start by saying that the one size fit all kind of engagement solutions, I think is not working. And I think that's kind of the solutions that are being pushed onto the industry right now where, hey, you know what, here's this fantastic portal. Don't get me started about portals, but you know, here's a whole portal solution and it works for everybody. But you know, it doesn't really work for this group, and it actually turns out it doesn't really work well for someone with a family and all the pediatric patients. They're not so like it was a one size fit all kind of like oh, you patients can engage through this, but not really. And I think the same happened with a lot of the communication tools. I think originally they were just like oh, let's just just send, let's just send everyone a reminder every two weeks, right, or two weeks before the appointment. And that was the engagement solution. But I think now people are realizing that hey, patients are very different. Those that are truly uh, more engaged, they want more interaction. Whereas people who are busy and are relatively healthy, they want less interaction. So you need tools that are able to tailor themselves or at least be uh, allow you to customize to suit the different levels of engagement. And that's how you can get more patients involved. Because if you annoy half the patients, then they're not going to use it anyway. And then you've, you've just kind of invested in this technology that's not catering to that percent. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you put this under what isn't working and you said portal. You probably would add fax machine there uh, <laughs> you know, along with it and beepers. They're not working either. And yet I would actually argue the other side. The, the patient portal is the only thing that many organizations are offering to engage the patient. The fax is the thing that's working best to solve healthcare interoperability and you know the beeper well okay beepers probably should go away but <laughs> you know like uh, you know i mean it's it's i know it's a little bit of an out there feeling right and all of us understand that we want to get beyond the portal and beyond the fax machine but if i'm a patient right now the only things that are working for me are the portal and the fax machine and so if you take those away you're actually taking away the most engaged aging things for me. So the, the problem for me has always been, okay, I want to get rid of the facts as much as anyone, but what's the replacement, right? What's the replacement to the portal? And I love the idea of personalization and customization. So I don't disagree with you there. I agree that it needs to be more personalized and more customized, but where is that solution and how, in what form is it going to take? Uh, you know, I, I, I honestly don't see, uh, you know, very good replacements. I think for the facts, there's direct project, which is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, it could be a replacement that would help some of them. Uh, I think we're closer there. Um, on the portal, though, uh, you know, what's going to replace it? Uh, a bunch of text messages? I, I don't know. You know, like it's not clear to me what will replace it. Yeah, well, and, you know, that's not to say portals aren't useful. I'm just saying that it's not really working for most people. Most of the time, you can't get half the records that are actually in there or parts of the system aren't exposed to the portal. 
Um, the portals themselves don't lend themselves very well to family caregiving, right? So everyone has to share an ID to log in, which kind of defeats the purpose of security, right? I can't, as a patient, I can't go, I want my caregivers to see this part, but not this part. I mean, I can't do that in a portal. I have to, I have to take that data from the portal, put it into something else, and then do it from there. So, the, you know, it's, it's not quite working. And, and again, uh, you know, it's better than nothing. But in terms of, you know, to say that you've engaged patients by simply having a portal, I think is doing a disservice to the definition of patient engagement. What you've done is basically allowed patients to get to the information, which is a first step. Um, well, but to that's me, the problem with portals. They're immature. Yes. Uh, we haven't focused our effort on saying, what would we really want if we were a patient? And let's develop that. They developed, what do we need to pass off meaningful use certification? And that's they right. developed that. And that's the problem and why they're not working because they could do so much more if that was the focus. But I don't know any doctors paying for that. That's the problem. That's right. And then with the new info blocking rules, which we talked about in a previous episode, you know, that that is exactly the, another problem where there's the potential where they're just going to comply with that and then forget about the patient again and go in the design process, which is crit critically important. But John, that brings us to the end of uh, topic number two. So today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Solution Reach. Great. So yeah, uh, you know, Solution Reach is, is is a great sponsor for us. Uh, they offer a lot of solutions that really improve the patient experience, which seemed fitting for this episode talking about patient experience and patient engagement. Uh, you know, their solutions can really reduce no-shows with things like patient reminders. Uh, they can increase patient visits to your practice, which is uh, something that every doctor's office that I know enjoys. Plus, Solution Reach can help really improve the patient satisfaction. They have some great surveys to really understand what your patient needs are. They facilitated 1 billion messages per year. That's 1 billion with a B. It's <laughs> amazing to think about, uh, really, to patients, which gives them just a ton of experience and understanding for patients. So if you want to learn more about the solutions they offer, be sure to visit solutionreach.com you can check out all their you know all they're doing with uh, their solutions and and how they might be able to help your medical practice i know they also work a lot with dental offices and other ones that want to improve the patient experience and really you know help solve the things that we're talking about here uh, you know it's amazing to think that text messaging is next generation uh, patient engagement but that really is the truth <laughs> <laughs> and don't we know it? I mean, that's the world I came from before. And yeah, it's surprising that text messaging is innovative, but it can be when applied correctly. Um, so kudos I, know, I want a text message a lot of times, uh, you know, if, if that, that's a much better solution than a lot of the way the doctor communicates with them today or doesn't communicate at all. <laughs> right. So, so actually, that's a great segue to our third topic, John. Um, where are some exciting things happening with regard to either patient support or patient engagement, however you want to define it, but where are some exciting things happening? And I'll start with um, a couple of um, uh, solutions uh, from two companies, but there are, I'm sure there are others, so please, not just these two exclusively, but um, ESRI, um, the, the folks who do geospatial mapping, and a company called NowPow, uh, based out of Chicago, they are both providing um, additions to portals um, for both external use and internal use, where it basically looks at where the patient lives and provides the patient or the doc with the patient there 
a map of all of the local health related resources that are in the area where that patient lives. So things like community centers, green spaces where they can go walking, fresh food, where the nearest pharmacy is, where the nearest you know uh, um, uh, medical center is, and all those kinds of things. And so that when you know even access to transit and so forth. And what this allows for is allows for better planning of that care experience to say, okay, well, instead of having this person come all the way into the this facility, actually they live closer to this other one, maybe I'll have them go there. Or they realize, hey, you know, the this they don't actually live near a CVS or a pharmacy where they'll accept this particular type of insurance or or you know this kind of thing, and so they can direct them to a different one or or have it you know maybe recommend um, something to be delivered. Uh, the, all these kinds of things really help uh, with the patient care, and I think to me that's pretty exciting because now it's bringing health into the context of that patient's life, which traditionally was done when doctors had more time but now they don't. And so you need these tools to kind of help them with that aspect of it. So I'm pretty excited about those two technologies in particular. Now, those are pretty unique. Uh, for me, I look at just a broad category that's the most exciting for me. And I, I think we're finally seeing some progress in this category. And that's really around telemedicine, telehealth. Mm. Uh, you know, to me, it is the perfect patient experience. And when you, you know, whenever any patient looked at telemedicine or telehealth, I think we all looked at it and said, why aren't we doing this? This just makes so much sense. And I, you know, my answer to that was always, well, it provides an incredible patient experience, but it does almost nothing to change the provider experience. It doesn't change their billing experience. In fact, it makes it worse in many ways, right? So, you know, we had to get over, over those challenges first in, in order to make it a great patient experience. But we're starting to see the reimbursement levels finally reached where it makes sense for people to do that. I mean, Medicare just rolled out their, their, you know, remote uh, monitoring and the remote yep. payment, exactly the payments for those type of remote monitoring solutions and, and services. So we're, we're seeing some changes. I don't think we're there fully yet, but it is really exciting to see people who just are embracing telemedicine and telehealth. Um, I think the game changer is that is when someone like a Alexa or or Google Home, especially with the Alexa Show, with has you know the full video capabilities. Even Facebook has the full video capabilities. I think when they roll out a telehealth solution as part of that offering, I think it's just going to explode and that will really you know grow things. But you know we're seeing it happen all over. I mean, the, uh, my friend Dr. James Legan up, up there, uh, he's in he's in a small town. Uh, in the U.S. and and he's rolling out telemedicine solutions and he's had a great portal and interaction with his patients through that and he's like, hey, I want to do telehealth because if it's snowing and I'm snowed in and my patient's snowed in, I want to be able to help them. And so seeing people embrace that just creates an incredible patient experience. No, I agree. I'm a telemedicine and the whole telepresence is going to be big. I'm actually interested to see, you know, uh, an add on to that sort of that home health uh, concept where we're starting to hear about house calls coming back and and hearing mm -hmm. a lot more about the remote patient monitoring capabilities where it may it may not require even a telepresence. It's just, you know, someone looking at the telemetry and then dispatching the nurse or dispatching uh, a physician assistant to come mm -hmm. and, and check on the patient. I mean, you know, 
there is something to be said about that human interaction. And I think obviously in big cities, that's possible to do. It's it's dense enough where that, that's easy. But to me, that's also pretty exciting because that to me meets the patients where they are. And it gives them that one-on-one -on -one where, you know, through the telepresence, A, there's an access problem where there's some parts of the population where they don't have access to the devices and the bandwidth and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, but I think it's it's just exciting that we're even having the discussion around, hey, we got telemedicine, we have telepresence, and we have all this home care that's possible with all these devices and things that you can use on your smartphone. I mean, these are really cool things that will help engage and support patients uh, in a much better way than they are in the, have been in the past. Well, that's such a different patient experience. Uh, our friend Chuck would probably want us to talk about virtual reality. What, what, <laughs> are, you, are you pro or con on, uh, on virtual reality? <laughs> you know what? That is a whole episode on its own, John. We should have that as, as a future. Uh, I'll throw out my teaser. Uh, I think it's overstated. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. I'm actually okay. That'll be very interesting because I'm actually pro VR. I mean, I I've only tried it uh, on a few occasions, but I think it holds a lot of promise, especially for things like pain management and uh, phantom limb and all those kinds of things. So there's definitely some some things. I, I agree with it on that side, but I mean for more like a telemedicine visit. Oh yeah, uh, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, VR makes me sick, but uh, I, think anyway. I think it would depend on how much video games you play. So clearly, I play a lot more video games. So the VR experience, I think, is kind of cool. I had to choose my wife over video games. Yes, that's there right. <laughs> Sorry, topic number four. So let's get practical, as we always do on on this show. How can we move the needle tomorrow with regard to patient support or patient engagement? John, why don't you start this time? Yeah, I mean, when I look at this, it's a very simple decision that people have to make, and that is, I want to put the patient first. You know, am I going to put reimbursement first? Am I going to put other things first? Or am I going to put the patient first? And if you come from a patient-first mindset, then these types of solutions just make sense. You're going to do telemedicine because you want the patient to be first. You're going to send uh, patient reminders because you want the patient to be first. If you want, uh, you know, if you want engagement, secure communication with the patient in your clinic, uh, you know, th that will come if you if you want to put the patient first. All of these technologies are available. Like there's no excuse at this point for anyone to say, oh, I don't know. Is it possible or is it too expensive or, you know, they're like they're available and they're out there. And for those that say, wait, should I put the patient first? I would argue if you don't, you're going to run into problems. Um, and there's a few cases, maybe you're, you have a monopoly in a rural area and stuff, maybe you'll be fine, right? But if you're in a competitive area in a, in a city with a, a lot of choices, I think eventually that's going to catch up with practices and it's going to cause problems if you don't offer these types of services. So I'd say for me, that's the key is, you know, think about it from the patient perspective. And it turns out doing so will improve your patient survey scores. It'll improve those online reviews that you hate as a doctor, right? Getting reviewed on, on Yelp or health grades or whatever, right? You know, by putting the patient first, you'll, you'll improve all of that. You'll improve the satisfaction they have in the office. So then they tell all their friends about it uh, just by providing simple services that they say, oh, yeah. That's what I got at Starbucks, and now my doctor's finally doing it. And I think that's the key is come from that patient mindset. I like I like that a lot, John. I think that makes total sense, especially when you're evaluating new technologies. You know, as a CIO or, or director of IT, you know, put yourself in the patient's shoes and 
see what they would see if using that same technology. You know, is it actually going to be useful for them? Is it actually going to do what you would ex you would want to do from a patient's perspective? And that's one very easy thing you can do to move the needle towards better patient engagement and better experience down the road. Uh, my my uh, simple thing to do here is, is simply just ask. I mean, we don't, and I don't mean like do a focus group or anything like that. Just <laughs> ask patients, right? Like, you know, if you have, if you're in a facility, like you know, take a little time, maybe talk with some of the physicians and your clinicians, and go, okay, guys, like we need to do better at this area. What can we do to help make your life and the patient's life a lot better? And you know, you're gonna get a lot of you're gonna get a lot of complaints, but through those, you'll start to see some threads of, oh, you know what? Sounds like if we just get rid of this little piece or made this one little part of our portal a little bit better, that would save so much time. It would reduce the number of phone calls we're getting on our call center. It would reduce the number of questions that our clinicians get over and over again. Okay, cool. Like, those are small things you can do that don't require an implementation of brand new technology. It could just mean a new document, a new process, but it starts with just not being afraid to ask. I think some people are very afraid to ask patients because they're worried they're gonna get a litany of, of things. The answer is, you're gonna get that anyway. <laughs> they're gonna write it in an email, they're gonna send it to you in those comment cards. Um, but ask them and engage with them and you'll start to tease out some very simple things that you can do uh, that you probably already have the technology in place to fulfill. So my my thing is just ask. Um, yeah. That's great. You know, I'm thinking of two experiences I just had recently. I, I had breakfast with a doctor and he said, you know, when I started med school, I was with all of these altruistic people who wanted to be in healthcare to help patients. And he said, by the end of med school, they wanted to be a dermatologist to because it was the most pay or the urology because it had the most pay. And he said, I don't think any of them came in thinking, Ooh, I want to be a urologist because they pay the most. No, the, he's like, it's amazing how we've almost sucked the, the soul out of the person and the altruism out of the person. And then corresponding with that, I saw another doctor tweet that if you're in, if you think healthcare is a business, then you need to get out right now, which I thought was a bit of an overstatement. I'm still chewing on it. But there is this interesting balance between healthcare as an altruistic uh caring industry and the other side that says hey i am totally sympathetic to the doctor that hey they want to get paid and they want to be successful and they want to provide for their family so you know i think there is this interesting balance between the two that we have in healthcare that i think sometimes gets skewed um by many 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 people but that's why for me the patient first mindset is about business but also about the altruism. And that's why I love that mindset. And I think, John, on that, that brings us to the end of another episode here of Healthcare IT Today. Look at that, number 10. <laughs> so thanks to all of you who listened to this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show just by checking out the Healthcare Now Radio Programs page. And of course, please share your voice and your comments with us using the hashtag HITSM on Twitter or on LinkedIn. I'm Colin Hung. This is my colleague, John Lin in Healthcare IT. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.